Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, obviously, Easter Sunday, and uh, just so excited to see you here. And uh, I believe that, that God has given me uh, th this talk for you this morning. We're going to look at some scripture, uh, but I kind of want to introduce it this way. Uh, how many of you have uh, watched the movie, The Greatest Showman? The Greatest Showman. Yeah, it, it's, it's just, in my opinion, just one of the, one of the best uh, movies uh, that, that's been put out in, in recent years. And uh, we've just watched it at our house. You know, I, I, I have a confession, actually. I've never really watched it completely from beginning to end. But with all the, the, the little kids in Sandy's daycare, we, we just sing the songs. Uh, how many of you do that? We just we just we just love the the songs and Hugh Jackman he he plays the role of P T Barnum you know Barnum and Bailey Circus he he is Phineas Barnum and he starts out as a poor man it's kind of the theme of the movie he starts out as a poor man and he has all of these dreams and uh, as he as an adult and he invents the circus and it's a spectacle and everybody wants to come see the circus and. And, and he becomes wealthy and famous through all of that. We have it on our DVR. We've played most of the songs a thousand times for, for the little kids. And I've memorized, almost memorized, well, one of the songs while I hold my grandson, Bentley, who's just a little over a year old. And I sing along with the music. And, and he, just, he just loves it. You remember that, that song? He, goes, he says, every night I lie in bed, the brightest colors fill my head. A million dreams are keeping me awake. I think of what the world could be, a vision of the one I see. A million dreams is all it's going to take. How many, remember that? Thank you. Well, 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 Hugh Jackman sings that, and I had no idea. You know, I always watched him in, you know, the X-Men series. Never thought, never, you know, man, this guy can sing, he can dance. I mean, it's it's just it's really an, an amazing movie, and and it starts off going back between his childhood and his adulthood, and back and forth, and it's all about the dreams and the vision and the world that that, that he wants to create, and, and the the dreams he has for a glorious life, and all the dreams he wants to achieve. But then, then Jenny Lind comes along. And Jenny Lynn, uh, who's played by Rebecca Ferguson, sings what I think is probably the most powerful song in the whole movie. It's called Never Enough. Never Enough. Jenny Lynn performs on the stage uh, in front of thousands of people. And the song goes like this. All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. Never be enough for me. Never, never. And that song captures our frustration, the desire we have for more. You and I crave glory. We have these dreams. We crave glory. Will somebody notice me, please? Will somebody speak my name? Will, will somebody tell me that I am important? That I'm significant? That I matter? I, I love 
playing with the little children there in Sandy's daycare, and, and I make up these funny games with them, and, and I'll, I'll make up these silly little songs, and, and, and I'll sing up a, a little song like, I know a little boy, his name is Soren. And, and while I'm singing this little goofy song to Soren, all the other kids are gathering around like, do me, do me, do me. And, and what they're saying is, say my name. Say my name. Give, give me some attention too. Show me some love too. And we go through life like that, don't we? Somebody say my name. And so we go through school as young people. And really, aren't we, we're just seeking some glory. We're, we're craving glory. Somebody say my name. Somebody tell me I'm okay. Somebody tell me I'm, I'm important. And so we seek glory in all kinds of ways. Maybe it's through sports. And maybe it's through grades. All kinds of ways of, of trying to find the glory. And then even as adults, we, we think, you know, someday I'm going to marry somebody and, and it's just going to be the perfect match and it's going to be glorious. And we have these dreams and, and of this glorious life that we're going to have. Maybe it's that big job with a big title. Maybe it's a fancy car with all the flash. And we go through life looking for glory. And whatever, whatever we have, it, it's never enough. Never. Never. Never enough for me. I, I read a survey of people who have left churches and rejected church. They were asked, under what circumstances would you come back to church? Or start participating in a church again. And there were all kinds of answers. But the number one answer was, if I could find a church that would help me know how to experience God in a deep and profound way, I would return. What, what I want you to see today, on this Easter Sunday, is that you were made for glory. God made you. To know Him. He designed you in such a way that you and I, we need to hear Him speak our name. And to sing songs of love for us. Because we were made for glory. And nothing fills what the glory fills. Everything else is never Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus 40. We're finishing our series today. For the last number of weeks, we've been going through that Old Testament book of Exodus. There's Genesis and then Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible. And we haven't been able to look at every chapter and every verse in the whole book, but we've been kind of picking out parts. And today, turn to Exodus 40. And we're going to look at just the last couple of, of paragraphs there. And I think we might even have it up on the screen. And, and while you're turning there, I just want to reiterate what, what Josh was saying earlier. Next Sunday, Impact Weekend, very, very special Sunday for us. We cancel the second service. We'll have the 915 service. But then we will send people out to all kinds of projects, something like 30 different projects all around town, uniting with other churches across town. Calvary Lutheran, Waypoint, Kensington Church, some other churches, even other individuals and businesses and organizations all around town doing all kinds of good deeds in the community. It's something we really believe our Lord wants us to do is make, 
make our society, make, make our town, don't you want to make Clarkston a better place? Wouldn't this world be a better place if we all just give a little more and love a little more and serve a little more? So whatever age you are, whatever physical condition you have, whether you're young, whether you're old, whatever it is, you can you can get online. You could go out here after the service uh, and talk to Russ and, and whoever's out there, and, and they'll, they'll help you sign up for, for some kind of service project. Might be indoor, might be outdoor, all, all kinds of different opportunities. But, but let's make an impact in our community and make our community a better place even this next weekend. So before I read Exodus 40, I, I want to just kind of give you the context. The, the whole book of Exodus can be summarized in three words, just three words, freedom, morality, presence. Freedom, morality, presence. God frees the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. They had been slaves in Egypt for centuries. And God frees them. And then he brings them out to Mount Sinai and he gives them the Ten Commandments. He teaches them how to be good and moral people. And then the last half of Exodus is all about building this tabernacle, this big tent out in the wilderness. And God gives them all kinds of instructions, exactly how to build it. And it symbolizes his relationship with the people and, and, and how they, they should get along. And God's going to become present. And, and then in chapter 40, as Moses and the people complete the building of the tabernacle, we see something glorious happen. God's presence, God's glory descends and he fills that tabernacle. Freedom, morality, presence. This is what you and I still need today. God wants to free us. He wants to transform us into good and moral people. And He wants to fill us with His presence, His glory. This is what you and I are looking for our whole lives because we've lost the glory. And we need the glory. And everything else will never, never be enough. Exodus 40. I'll start reading in verse 34. So Moses finished the work of the temple. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all the travels. Can you imagine being there and seeing this cloud, this glory, this fire, and it descends and it fills the tabernacle? Wow. Now, now watch this now. Let, turn, turn with me over to Luke chapter 29. Luke chapter 29, and, and we're going to see another scene in the life of Jesus where the glory appears. The presence of God 
comes down. In Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 28, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of light lightning. Okay, watch out. Here comes the glory. Two men, Moses and Elijah. Now notice, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared with Jesus and Peter, James, and John on the mountain. Why Moses? Why Elijah? Because Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. The law and the prophets, what we call the Old Testament, are... These two guys representing the Old Testament, all the law of the prophets, is having a conversation with Jesus, pointing to Jesus. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure. Now, most of the time, just knowing English and reading English is fine for understanding the Bible, but every now and then you lose something in the translation because the Greek word for departure here is exodus. They spoke about his exodus. And any Jewish person would know, oh my goodness, this is to be a reflection of the exodus back there in the Old Testament. Just as God freed the people and transformed the people and the glory of the Lord descended, now here they are, they're talking about the exodus. Jesus is bringing a new exodus. Jesus wants to free us and transform us and bring new glory. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. <laughs> He, he, you know, Luke writes it right here in parentheses. He did not know what he was saying. Have you been in a position like that where you're just kind of overwhelmed or afraid or awed or whatever, and you don't even know what to say, and you say something, and you go, why did I say that? <laughs> While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. The cloud. Remember Exodus 40? The cloud. The glory. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, shut up. <laughs> Just be quiet. Listen. Listen to my son. Listen to Jesus. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Now go back to verse 32. Because this is what I want you to get this morning. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. My passion and my prayer for you and me today is that we would wake up and see his glory. Wake up. Most of us are like sleepwalking through life. And we need to wake up. And see his glory. Rub that sleep out of your eyes. Tell the person next to you, wake up. Go ahead. Wait, wake up. Don't elbow them too hard. You know, just wake up and see his glory. 
There is a good and beautiful God who created you and me. He made us for His glory and everything else will never be enough. Never. Never. Without Him. You know that the Hebrew word for glory literally means heavy. It means heavy. It means weighty. And so one of the meanings in Scripture, when it talks about glory, it, it, it's, it's kind of a slippery word, and it means a lot of different things depending on the context. But it has to do basically with the heaviness of God. When you start to see God's glory, His presence gets heavy on you. God is no longer a concept or an idea. You begin to feel Him. His presence starts to weigh in on you, presses in on you. The average person in America says, well, you know, I like to think of God like this. I cannot believe in a God like this. I, I, I don't want a God like that. I, I, I prefer a God like this. I'd like a God like this. As if we can create our own designer God. See, by definition, that's not a glorious God. If God is just an abstract idea that you can bend and shape to your own preferences, there's, that's not glorious. Wake up and see the glory. You don't shape God. God shapes you. you when you start to experience the glory, an awe, a respect comes over you. You begin to say things like, you know, this God is above my likes and dislikes. I can't shape this God. I can only submit to Him. It doesn't really matter what I think of Him. What matters is what He thinks of me. See, is God heavy and real to you? The Apostle John puts it this way over, over in his Gospel, John 1.14. He says the Word, he's talking about Jesus. The whole, this whole chapter is about Jesus. And he uses his concept of the Word, the message, the communication from God. The Word became flesh. Wow, that's Christmas. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son. And He is full of grace and truth. So when you begin to see the glory and God's heaviness begins to press in upon you, and so when you, when you read about God's grace and truth and His love and His mercy in, in Scripture, or when you hear about it in, in a sermon like this, when you begin to see the glory, God's heaviness presses in upon you. And you, you cannot just sit there and go, oh yeah, whatever. But his, his grace and His truth begin to press in on you. And you go, whoa, this is true. I need grace. I am a sinner. He is an awesome God. And it weighs heavy on you. That's when you know you're starting to experience the glory. And you begin to realize nothing fills what the glory fills. All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough, never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. Never be enough. Because you were made for His glory.
Psalm 8, verse 4. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You were made for glory and honor. This is why from little kids on, we're saying, do me, do me. Somebody notice me. Somebody say my name. Somebody say that I'm important. I'm significant. You were made for glory and honor, and you won't find it anywhere else except in Him. You were made for His glory. The problem is we've all fallen short of God's glory. Romans 3.23, classic verse. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You were created for glory. You were created in the divine image, but that image, that glory, that divine glory that's in you has been marred and broken and messed up. This is why we're lonely. This is why we're sad. This is why there's division and hatred in the world. We've lost the glory, and we're trying to find the glory, and everything else is never enough. But now watch this. Easter, what Jesus accomplished for us in his death on Friday on the cross and his resurrection on Sunday, Easter means that you and I can partially experience the glory now and fully experience it later. This is the impact of Easter. This is why Easter is so crucial. You can partially experience God's glory now because of what Jesus' resurrection accomplished for us. This is what Easter is about. Jesus died and rose again, to, and he initiated the process of bringing back the glory. See, on Friday when Jesus died, Scripture says he died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our waywardness, our brokenness, our rebellion. And, and then the, the disciples, they were all sad. They thought the game was over. They were in shock. But then on Sunday, they see him, and he's resurrected, and he has a new glorious resurrection body. And he says, because I live, you too will live. I am starting a new restoration glory project here that begins with me, the firstborn from the dead. And, and Thomas, remember doubting Thomas? He said, I can't believe this. I will not believe it until I see Jesus for myself and touch him and, and see the, the nail scars in his body. And sure enough, Jesus appears to him. He appears to the other disciples. And, and Thomas touches him, has a conversation with him. And Thomas bows down and worships him. He says, my Lord and my God. He saw the glory. Over in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul refers to Moses back in Exodus. You know, whenever Moses met with God in that tent of meeting, he, he, he would see and experience God's glory so much. God gave him uniquely this tremendous privilege that when he came back to the people, his face was still shining with the glory of God. And so much so that the people could hardly look at him. So he, had, he got in the custom of putting a veil over his face after he had spent time with the Lord. 
And he put a veil over his face to hide and conceal some of the glory. And Paul talks about this story in 2 Corinthians 3. And he says, you know what? You and I, as followers of Jesus now, we can experience a glory that is deeper and better than that. I love what he says in chapter 3, beginning verse 17. Listen to this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, so watch this now. Because of what Jesus did for us at Easter, He died and rose again. Not only are our sins forgiven, not only was there a legal transaction, and now God can forgive us because of what His Son Jesus accomplished for us, but, but now we can also begin restoring the glory. This is what Paul is talking about here. As we contemplate our Lord, as we focus on Him, and as we learn and as we grow closer to Christ, He will transform us back into His image with ever-increasing glory. This is the impact of Easter. You are the tabernacle. You are the temple of God. The presence of God, the cloud, the fire, His presence, His glory can come and fill you. Now let me be very honest here. Let me be very clear. Notice that I'm saying you can partially experience the glory now. Partially. Because the fullness, the perfection comes later. Scripture, Jesus is very clear about this. Jesus is very clear that this life will continue to be a battle and a struggle. Paul talks about how the flesh and the spirit are at war with one another. And so you and I, we begin the glory restoration process. We're the tabernacle of God. We can now begin to experience His glory, but it's not 100% glory. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be a struggle. This is why Jesus created the church. We're you and I, as God's people, we come together on the basis of our common commitment to Christ. And we encourage each other. And we lean on each other. And we're open and humble and transparent with each other. And we have these relationships with each other. And we're in this glory restoration project. This is why I'm so excited that we have Celebrate Recovery here at CCC. We've partnered with other churches around town. Waypoint, Kensington, Calvary few others. And, and just recently on Friday nights, we have Celebrate Recovery, where you can you can really just open up and, and talk. And, and, and there's, there's certain steps, certain curriculum, and large group, small group, but you, where you can come and, and, and say, you know what? I, I, I need some help. Let me tell you about my story. See, Christ came to free us, to restore the glory, but you can't do it all by yourself. We need each other. Paul says we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Little at a time, day by day, step by step. So I do not promise you, because Jesus does not promise you an easy path. This is not one of those prosperity kind of gospel things. Oh, just come to Jesus and it's all glory. And you have everything you ever dreamed. No, 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 no. Jesus said in this world, 
you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So let's be real. You can have some of the glory now. And it is beautiful. And it is wonderful. And oh, even in the midst of the struggles, there are times when the glory is so heavy upon you. And the beauty of the Lord is so real. Wow. And you realize that everything else is never enough. Because only he can fill that need. I love how Paul talks about our future glory in Romans 8. He says, for the creation was subjected to frustration. Anybody frustrated? Creation was subjected to frustration. See, I love how honest Scripture is. You and I have a lot of frustration in our lives, don't we? We're seeking glory, craving glory. Never seems to be enough. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Wow. This is why Easter matters. This is the impact of Easter. Jesus' resurrection initiated the glory process. Wow. In Revelation 21, John paints a picture of our future hope, what the, what the new heavens and new earth will look like. He describes a beautiful city where there's no violence, where people are healed and whole and happy. He says in Revelation 21, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. And the Lamb, Jesus, is its lamp. Wow. This is the impact of Easter. See, Jesus is the new exodus. He can free you. He can begin this glory transformation process where you become a, a good and moral person and you're filled with His glory. This is what you and I have been looking for our whole life. 